Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And can you imagine what it would be like to be one of the first followers of Christ? How Jesus related to those guys is a way to anticipate how he might relate to us and how we can be faithful followers now in the 21st century. Pastor Sean today is going to focus on a guy named Peter. The message is called, What to Do with a Rock. It's time for Real Life Radio. The followers. You know, we talk a lot about leaders, and that's great, but we got to understand, the people in the New Testament, before they were ever leaders, they were followers. And they were very unusual in the context of what they did. We have all of Christian history to look back on and say, you know, we're, we're joining into a very significant tradition when we become followers of Jesus Christ. They didn't. They were part of the first followers, were Jews who had been a part of Judaism, but this was so different because Jesus as Messiah was different than what they were expecting. And now all of a sudden, this new movement begins. What were these people like, these first followers of Jesus? What made them tick? Were there any common things or similar traits that we would look at? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out as we look at all these different followers. Well, the follower that I'm going to kick off the series with uh, this morning is one who had a nickname. Any of you guys ever have a nickname? Anybody ever have a nickname? Okay, any of you have a nickname that you hated? Yeah, literally more hands on that second one, which is technically impossible, but it's like you didn't even remember it until I said nickname you hated, and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got it. I remember that one. Yeah, nicknames that we hated. I had one of those. I was part of a youth ministry. I was early college age and I was working in a youth ministry with high school and junior hires. I was probably, my son Ryan's the guitar player here, is probably around Ryan's age. And uh, a guy called me Captain America. And he thought, you know, he, he was, it was one of the volunteers. He was being complimentary, right? Being, trying to be nice, you know. Uh, well, he, gets, he introduces me to the youth ministry. I'm going to speak on a Sunday morning in the high school class. And it's a big group of kids, good-sized church, a lot of kids. And so he goes, and now give a big hand to Captain America. And and when the the clapping dies down, one of the kids in my youth group, and I had a rough youth group, one of the kids in the youth group, a little high school kid goes, you know, Captain America, clapping dies down. He goes, Captain Ego. And I'm like, and you can't, you, you can't beat kids in youth ministry. That's just contrary to popular belief. Even back then, sure, we could do more, but not, you know, but still we could. <laughs> Some of the youth leaders like that one. But, uh, but yeah, we, we, we couldn't do that. So I'm just like, oh, man. And, you know, of course, the kids all started like, <laughs> and it stuck. And, but they changed it, not just from Captain E, to Captain E. Just E. To this day, I will have people from that youth ministry, and they're, they're adults, they're maturing adults with receding hairlines. They will send me a, a message on Facebook or something. Hey, E, how's it going? <laughs> I'm like, have you grown up or are you still in junior high? <laughs> you know, you have, the, 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 you just kind of, ugh. So why don't you take a moment? You guys all have one. Maybe it's one you hated or maybe it's one you liked. I don't know. Tell somebody right around you. Just tell them, take a moment, and tell them a nickname that you had that you either loved or hated and go. Oh, I can hear it now. There's therapy going on in the room right now. A lot of pain. A lot of pain coming out. 
Here's a, you got, got it covered and then nobody broke down in tears. You all right? Okay, good. Uh, if I tell you this nickname, you know who I'm talking about. Who's the big fundamental? Timmy, that's right. Some, you know, that's a, that's a very complimentary nickname about the way he plays. Now, some people who want all flash and, you know, sizzle, they look at that and they don't love that nickname, but Timmy's one of the all-time greats. George Gervin, we have to admit, his was a little more pizzazz, Iceman. It's like he's a superhero, you know, the Iceman. Marshawn Lynch, how's that for a nickname? Beast Mode, really? How did he swing that? Some PR guy had to do his work, because that's an awesome nickname. Does anybody remember Mel Torme's nickname? Yeah, the Velvet Fog. Was that, a, was that a young person who answered that? No, yeah, I didn't think so. Mel Torme, the Velvet Fog. Thomas Edison had the nickname the Wizard of Menlo Park, because his first laboratory was in Menlo Park, New Jersey, and he was doing these amazing things, and people kind of thought he was a little weird. He sounded like Gandalf there, right? The Wizard of Menlo Park. Ronald Reagan was known as the great communicator for obvious reasons. This is one of my favorites, Margaret Thatcher. You remember her nickname, the Iron Lady? And I love that nickname because of how she got it. It was Soviet military officials who gave it to her because of her hard stance and how tough she was with them. I'm like, yeah, we could use more like Maggie Thatcher. Winston Churchill, his was the British bulldog. You know, for his scrappiness and his often kind of pugnacious approach to things. And some people also say because he kind of looked like one. But, you know, we, we, won't, we won't go there. Yeah, but those nicknames, they kind of label us. And we're going to meet a character this morning who was labeled. And I think this nickname was a little more than just a nickname. I think it had a lot more to say. But let us introduce you to him. Take a look. Jesus' first words to Peter were, come, follow me. His last words to him were, you must follow me. Every step of the way between those two challenges, Peter never failed to follow, even though he often stumbled. When Jesus entered Peter's life, this plain fisherman became a new person with new goals and new priorities. He never stopped being Simon Peter. However, he did not become a perfect person. We may wonder what Jesus saw in Peter that made him invite this flawed fisherman to help found a kingdom movement. Peter, impulsive, impetuous, and imperfect, he often didn't look like someone who would become a great leader in the church. But when Jesus chose his followers, he wasn't looking for models. He was looking for real people. He chose people who could be changed by his love. And then he sent them out to communicate that this acceptance was available to everyone, especially those who failed often. We may wonder what Jesus sees in us when he calls us to follow him. But we know Jesus accepted Peter, and in spite of his failures, Peter went on to do great things for God. Matthew 16, 18 says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Simon Peter. Twelve to- uh, excuse me, four times in the New Testament, the twelve disciples, the twelve apostles are listed in order. Okay? Three in the Gospels, one in Acts. And all those times... The first name listed is Peter, Simon Peter. 
Peter was one of those three who were most often with Jesus, his inner circle. We have all kinds of information about Peter in the New Testament. Galilean fishermen who came to be the chief spokesperson for the apostles and one of the two strongest personalities in the New Testament, along with the apostle Paul. Peter, he came to be known as the rock. Now, the video there quoted Matthew 16, 18. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. A lot of people think, most commonly, that's where this nickname, Peter, the rock, came from. It's not. It actually, when Jesus first met Simon, John chapter 142, it's fascinating. You just wonder what this encounter was. Peter knew who, or, or Simon knew who Jesus was. His brother Andrew brought him to Jesus. He's introduced, and Jesus looks at him and says, You're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas which when translated is Peter. Cephas is the Aramaic. And Peter is the Greek rendering of the rock. Actually, it's more like a piece of a living rock or a stone. You know, when Jesus used that passage in Matthew 16 and he said, you are Peter and on this rock, Petros and Petra, two different words. On this rock is, it's like, it's, it would be like, you know, enchanted rock. Or maybe if you've been to Yosemite, half dome. There's a rock. They consider it like a living rock. And Peter's name is from a stone, a piece of that rock. And a lot of people think that his bold testimony about Christ gave him the name the rock. I'm not, I don't think it did. In the very beginning, Jesus saw something in this young fisherman. He looked at him. Simon, son of John, from now on, you're going to be known as... The rock. And I think it's more than just a nickname. What if this rock is, honestly, the character study? I really think it is. I mean, if we know Peter's story at all from the New Testament, words you would throw around to describe this guy, headstrong, uncompromising, diehard, yep. Hard-headed, inflexible, stubborn, yeah, a lot. Obstinate, unyielding, bull-headed, even pig-headed. Not too far out, out of bounds there. Did Jesus, when he called him the rock, did he mean the rock as a bold, strong, immovable leader of the church? Or did he mean it as the hardhead that was inflexible as a rock? I think the answer is yes. Yes, I think that's what... He meant both. The funny thing with names, Simon, his actual given name... The, the meaning of the name is to hear. I'm like a listener. And if there's one thing Peter was not known for is being a listener. I mean, he was the guy who spoke up first and if, you know, he needed to put his foot in his mouth, whatever he needed to do, he was bold, he was out front. He was not known as a listener. Remember, this is Peter who on the Mount of Transfiguration, you remember Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up and he is transfigured he begins to glow and he's joined by the the figures of elijah and moses on the mountain and peter chooses that moment to assert himself good that we're here lord let's build some little tabernacles and god himself has to interrupt peter to shut him up the voice of god this is my son listen to him that's peter peter was the one who had the gall to correct jesus when the lord was talking about his death for telling his death Remember, Jesus taught him about Peter. Oh, no, 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 Lord, don't, 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 don't do that. Not good, not good for the PR. Remember what Jesus does? He looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. 
That hurt. Peter's the one who tried to walk on water and then sunk. Peter's the one who got caught up trying to figure out how many times he was obliged, had to forgive his brother. What, Lord, seven? Like, I don't want to, but how, how many? Seven times? And Jesus, remember, yeah, 70 times seven. In other words, Peter, it's not about counting. Don't count. A lot. Peter's the one who fell asleep in the garden when Jesus was asking him to pray. Peter was the one, do you remember in the garden they come to arrest Jesus? Peter grabs a sword. Where'd Peter get a sword? He was packing. You know, he's the disciple of Jesus. They were peaceful. And he pulls out a sword and he cuts off the servant's ear. Do you think Jesus ever just went, freaking Peter's, come on, man. Dude, throw me a bone here. I'm trying to do something and you're cutting people's ears off. I mean, really, Jesus looks like, Peter, the one who lives by the sword is going to die by the sword. And Jesus heals the guy. That's Simon Peter. He's the one who later on that night denied Jesus three times. And it was Simon Peter who led the whole group of disciples to go back to fishing on the Monday after the resurrection, after Easter. And by the way, when they were going fishing, it wasn't like some little men's retreat, right? You know, that was their profession. That's what they had done for a living. In other words, they'd left that to follow Jesus, and now for Simon and James and John and Andrew, they're, they're all going back. They're kind of leaving. So that's who Peter was. But, see, that's the thing. It was this same Peter who got out of the boat and actually walked on water. We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a message called, What to Do with the Rock. If you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermons page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you think you'd like to visit River City Community Church, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to this message called What to Do with a Rock. This is Real Life Radio. It's that same Peter who boldly and confidently confessed that Jesus was the Christ. When all the others were like, well, some people say this, and public opinion is, and he's like, you're the Christ. No doubt, just clear, crystal clear. Where Jesus said, man, you are. Petros, and on this rock, I will build my church. It was Peter who stood up and preached the message of Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people repented, gave their hearts to Christ, and were baptized that day because of that simple message. It was Peter who boldly stood before the Sanhedrin and testified to the court. By the way, the same court who had crucified Jesus three months earlier. So he's thinking he's probably given his last words. That's Simon Peter. It was Peter who became the backbone 
and really the launching pad leader of the church. You know, you stop and think about it. The rock. What good is a rock, really? Well, when it's shaped and used properly, it can become part of a foundation. It can become a building block to great things, walls, cities. It can be chiseled in something beautiful. Rock can be amazingly purposeful. Or it can just be something that gets in the way. See, that's what I think this whole thing is about, and that's why I think this is so significant. I think this whole story is about the transformation of an unusually gifted man. And I know we talk about Peter. Well, he's just a blue-collar guy, working guy, simple fisherman. And that's all true. Yeah, but he was also an extremely gifted guy. And this whole story is about the transformation of that amazingly gifted individual. You see, the rock is really... And as we know and we look at him, this is, this is a reference, it's an illustration to a set of gifts and traits that made Peter the very unique individual that he was. Now, we all have gifts and traits. I think if we thought about it, we could probably come up with a label or something to, to, to represent those gifts and traits, not unlike what Jesus did with Peter. What would that label look like? We all have gifts, they're all God-given They're all different, and they are all absolutely packed full of potential. See, Peter's life stands as a powerful illustration of a very key spiritual principle. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. In the bulletin, we have notes. You should follow along in those. Illustration of a key principle, and it's this. Gifts are only as good as the hands that they're placed in. Gifts are only as good as the hands that they're placed in. Be sure to place your gifts in the right hands. Gifts are only as good as the hands they're placed in. Be sure they're placed in the right hands. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. Have you experienced that? That in the area where your gifts, your talents, the things that you're strong in, when they are surrendered to God's Spirit, they become an incredible power for force. And really, that is a cool kind of catalytic experience when your gifts, the gifts God gave you, the gifts and talents and tendencies that he made you to have, when they are in alignment with his spirit leading, his purpose, his direction, it's explosive in its potential. And you can feel it. It's like all of a sudden the fruit and the good things that come are far more than the natural gifts could accomplish in in themselves. That being said, if you've paid any attention at all, you know those areas of strength those gifts, those talents, those traits, when they are in the flesh, they can be very much a double-edged sword, and they can cause hurt, pain, they can cause more damage because they're strengths. I mean, think about it. Whatever the gift is, ever since I was a little kid, I had a gift for communication, the ability to use words to paint pictures. You know, my dad affirmed me very positively. I remember it as a little kid. He just said, this kid will never shut up. I had a rough childhood. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was talking all the time, but it, but it, was, it turned out I had the, that ability. And when, when in the hands of the Holy Spirit, given to the Lord, I've seen it used to help people see things differently, to help encourage, to build up, to paint pictures that help people have vision. I've seen great things. I'll also tell you, Words can be very hurtful and destructive. And when you have a gift with words, I can't tell you how many times that area of strength has been an area where I've just put my hand in my 
I had my face in my hand and just said, God, what was I thinking? God, why did I say that? Because they come so quickly and so easily, the damage. I can't tell you how many times I've had to sit down with my wife and say, honey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I am so sorry. Areas of strength are sometimes our greatest temptation, and they can do the greatest damage. As we were talking, some of the pastors, we were talking through uh, for small group notes, Mark McLemore brought up, well, even something like compassion. And I'm like, oh, man, compassion, isn't that always good? Well, compassion is in its purest form. But the root of that, that, that tendency, when it's done in such a way, and Mark's point was when someone then avoids temptation, I'm sorry, when they avoid confrontation. They avoid confrontation and they, they refuse to kind of speak the hard truth that in love that needs to be said. And they just let something hurtful go. And that, that mercy and that compassion just kind of causes them to, well, I better not. It can become a problem. And it can cause great damage. We even talked, how about some, something as simple as a gift with business? And I know we probably have a lot of business people in this room, and you may think, some of you may think, well, you know, um, this is all, I did this, and I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. No, you didn't. If you're a successful business person, God gave you gifts. You, you have the ability to see systems in a way that others don't. You see people, and you can read them and place them in places where they're good, and it, it, where, where they're gifted, and, you, and you're able to build an organization. You're able to work with and through other people to accomplish a corporate goal. That's a gift. And that gift can either be used for great things, kingdom things. And they can be used to employ people and bring good things in people's lives and build people up and encourage them and ultimately even advance the kingdom of God. Your gifts in business can be used to bring about God's purpose in people's lives. Or your gift in business can be used, as we've all seen, to manipulate, to control, to abuse, to cheat, to fraud. Gifts, when they're placed in the hands of the Spirit, are powerful things. When they're in the flesh, they become very dangerous. Now, I want to suggest that the Scripture gives us three instances of tools that Jesus used, that the Lord used to shape and chisel the rock into the man that ultimately was a huge blessing and changed the world, really, when you think about the church's role in Western civilization. Three tools he used to shape the rock. The first is a look, the second is a word, and the third is a vision. A look, a word, and a vision. All these are instances that happen on the night Jesus was betrayed or after that. Let's start with a look, because sometimes God uses a look. Just a look. Matthew 26, 33 through 35, they're in the upper room. Jesus begins talking. One of you is going to betray me. And Peter speaks up. Again, first one to speak. If all, if, even if all fall away on account of you, I will never Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows. In other words, before morning, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Well, you know how that story went. Jesus is arrested that night. Peter is outside the courtyard where Jesus was being questioned. And he's warming himself by a fire. Someone asks him, wait a minute, you were with him, right? No, no, I don't know him. No, you're a Galilean, right? You were one of them. No, I've never known. I don't know the man. Third person asks him, and he ends up cursing just to prove the point. No, I didn't know him. Rooster crows. And at that moment, Jesus turns, and Peter catches his eye. Can you imagine that moment? Luke 22, 61. 
the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. A look. The power of just a look. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this message called The Followers and What to Do with a Rock. If you'd like to hear the full unedited message and the series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.